Welcome to the podcast filled with his love, the only podcast that draws upon both religion and psychology to help you strengthen your attachment relationships. Here's your host, Dr. Russ Osgothorpe, Emeritus Professor of Instructional Psychology and Technology, author and speaker. His latest book entitled Filled with His Love, Strengthening Our Attachment to God and to Others is available on Amazon now. Of all the topics in my book, Filled with His Love, one of the most all-encompassing is, quote, live in mercy and grace, quote. I will try in the few minutes we have today to explain just how all-encompassing it really is. You'll notice that I didn't title it Receive Mercy and Grace or Seek Mercy and Grace because I believe we should reach a little higher than that. We should live our lives every day bathed in the Lord's mercy and grace. That means that we yearn to forgive as much as we seek forgiveness, that we reach out to strengthen others as much as we seek to be strengthened. Mercy and grace inside us always working together, always drawing us closer to God and to his children. Mercy comes first, then grace. Enos sought forgiveness for his sins, but as soon as he felt the Lord's mercy, he immediately wanted to reach out to his brethren, the Lamanites, even though so many of them had set their hearts against God. He wanted to draw upon God's grace to strengthen them. Alma the Younger had to repent of his own sins and experience the Lord's mercy before he could strengthen others and help them repent of their sins and experience that same mercy. Mercy first, then grace. The woman caught in adultery. We, we don't know much about what she did after Jesus forgave her, but my firm hunch is that she felt compelled to share her relief and her joy with others. The Lord showed her mercy and then strengthened her by his grace to strengthen others. Mercy and grace go together. How could Enos or Alma or the woman caught in adultery possibly reach out to others before they had experienced God's infinite love, his eagerness to forgive them? They couldn't be strong until their shame and self-loathing had been washed away by the Savior's atonement. But his atonement does not stop at forgiveness. It goes on and on. It builds, it lifts, it strengthens. One of my favorite scenes in the movie The Chosen, and and by the way, if you have not seen The Chosen, I highly recommend it. You can find it on VidAngel. But one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the scene where Mary Magdalene enters Jesus's tent. Standing next to the Savior's mother, Mary Magdalene expresses her anguish in her own inability to give up sin and move forward. Here are some of the lines from that scene. Facing Mary, Jesus warmly greets her. So, it's good to have you back. With her eyes pointed down at the ground, Mary replies, I don't know what to say. Jesus says, I don't require much. Still looking at the ground, tears begin to flow. Mary responds, I don't know what to say. I'm so ashamed. You redeemed me, and I just threw it all away. With an understanding smile, Jesus says, That's not much of a redemption 
if it can be lost in a day, is it? Still overcome with anguish, Mary says, I owe you everything. I just don't think I can do it. Jesus says, do what? Mary, live up to it. Repay you. How could I go back to the place I was? I didn't even come back on my own. They had to come get me. I just can't live up to it. Agreeing with Mary, Jesus then teaches, Well, that's true. I just want your heart. The Father just wants your heart. Give us that which you already have, and the rest will come in time. Did you really think that you would never struggle or sin again? I know how painful that moment was for you. Mary, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, Jesus, someday, but not here. Mary, I'm just so sorry. Motioning with his arms to Mary, Jesus simply says, Come. But Mary cannot accept his invitation. I can't, she utters under her breath. Jesus, you can. Look at me. I forgive you. It's over. Mary finally looks at Jesus in the eyes, shuffles toward him, and falls into his embrace. There is so much in this scene. I could watch it over and over. In fact, when we are feeling any sense of hopelessness, we should watch it again. I think we all have been in Mary's place. We have all felt the frustration, the pain, the anguish of not being able to do what we know we should do. That infernal gap between our desires and our actions. We all fall short, all of the time. We could all say with Mary, you redeemed me and I just threw it away. But when such moments come, can we hear in our minds the words that Jesus spoke next? That's not much of a redemption if it can be lost in a day. The Lord was teaching Mary and all of us that his mercy is not limited. It's not restricted to some arbitrary time frame. It's infinite, just like his love. As the verse in Mosiah says, As often as my people repent, will I forgive them. Quote. Progression toward perfection is not something we can do in one giant leap. It comes in small ways, one step at a time. And like Mary, when we have felt the Lord's mercy, we feel completely incapable of repaying him, and like Mary might say, I just can't live up to it. I can't do what I really know I should do all of the time. But then the Savior, somewhat surprisingly, agrees with Mary and says, that's true. In a sense, he's saying that, of course, you can't be perfect now. As President Nelson has said, perfection is pending. Of course, you will have more challenges and problems. That's why I came to earth and gave my life for you so you could keep drawing closer to me. I believe that some who lose their faith lose it because they see the goal of discipleship as impossible. They might say to themselves, since I can't live up to what I know I should do, I'll stop trying because then I won't feel bad about myself any longer. 
So they distance themselves from God and sometimes from family or friends. Their attachment relationships suffer. When the Lord asked Mary to give her heart to her Father in heaven, it was like saying, if you want to be good, if you really want to do what you know you should do, you will eventually be able to do it because I will help you do it. So don't give up. Don't give in. Keep coming closer to me every day. Then he asks Mary to look up, to look at him. It's like saying, I know you are ashamed and feel guilty. I know you are in mental pain, but all you need to do is look to me and the shame and guilt will wash away. Then when she finally looks up, he says, I forgive you. It's over. You don't need to live in shame and guilt any longer. You don't need to keep punishing yourself. You've done all you can do. Let me do the rest. That's my whole purpose, my whole reason for being. The scene depicts in a few minutes what all of the scriptures lead to, that God the Father gave his only begotten Son that we might live in happiness now and in joy for the eternities. God the Father acted in mercy by giving his Son, and his Son acted in mercy as he carried out the plan of his Father. Their relationship with each other is the kind of relationship we want to have with them and with others. When Mary finally looked up at Jesus, she was making the first step toward the kind of attachment that we so much desire to have with the Savior. She surrendered herself to his infinite mercy and love. And as she did, her hopelessness and weakness and pain and guilt evaporated. Mercy led to grace, and grace kept growing inside her so that she could gradually gain the strength she needed to resist whatever temptation had plagued her. She could rise above her natural mortal tendencies and come alive in Christ. I want to follow Mary's example in this scene. In moments of discouragement, when my head might hang down, I want to look up and feel the Lord's love. I want to experience his mercy every day. I want to feel his grace inside me, making me stronger and stronger. I want to live in mercy and grace. <laughs> <laughs>